0: Welcome back to Three Putt Par. My name is Mike Caridi. This is episode number 16. Uh, I do have another new guest this week. So every week we do have someone on different to talk about their life in golf. Um, And this person is another Kingston Heath member. So that's like two in three or four weeks. So there's becoming a theme. I don't know. know. I'm going to have to get someone else on to break it up a little bit. Maybe get Mollica back on to talk about Royal Melbourne. But this week's guest is Nick Mills. Nick, welcome.
1: G'day, Mike. Number 16. Number sixteen,
0: pod? episode sixteen. It's uh, that's who nice was you're a St Kilda supporter. Who's the best sixteen to play for St Kilda? That's a, that's that a is tough, a tough, tough question, question. Straight off, yeah, I can't. I'm I'm terrible. Who, with uh, who's
1: best? Who's the best number sixteen that's actually just played AFL? Because who's grabbing like the number no sixteen off someone? of
0: someone? I know. I was thinking. No, Tom Boyd was. Tom Boyd was fifteen for the doggies. I can't remember. I'm terrible with numbers. I shouldn't have asked you that first up. That was a tough question. Um, are you well?
1: Yes, I'm. I'm well. I landed, yeah, I landed this morning, um, from Dallas, an eighteen-hour flight. Dallas, and... the
0: Qantas Dallas to Melbourne. Yes. Did you stop in Auckland for petrol like I had to the other week?
1: Really? We had high winds.
0: We, we had high winds and we got stuck on the tarmac with lightning. So, yeah, we 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 had to divert to Auckland and get petrol and get coming home. It was good times.
1: Wow. Yeah, we did. I we did fly over Auckland though, so maybe we, maybe there was yeah, like a, a, bit a touch and go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I assume we were also stuck on the tarmac just for a little bit. That was because of more of the traffic hmm. by
0: American. Amazing airport, Dallas. DFW is like my favorite airport in the world.
1: Yeah, can we like also maybe we might need to pull this one out of the podcast because <laughs> it is like my secret favorite airport in the states to fly international into, and i don't want like too many people like snapping up those fares uh, to go to dfw and then use the american airlines hub to go yep. to anywhere in the states it's such a yeah it's probably it's better than lax and yes way better it's a much nicer airport than going from auckland to jfk
0: now i'm with you on that um I've only flown direct into there once, but been through there a million times hub-wise. And just the facilities, everything's always good. It's the little train that gets you from terminal to terminal. Everything's just bang on. It's just such a good trip through there. We're really, really off topic already, which is great. I love it. So why are we in the States? Give us a rundown on on your trip.
1: So I have partnered up with Jager Kovic. Um, Jager started proper golf a few years ago and, Uh, brought me on board almost almost two years ago now um so I'm sort of working uh under his tutelage particularly when it comes to the shaping um side of things so that's where I I've been based for the last month in Philadelphia as we've done stage two of uh a renovation project at Cedarbrook Country Club which is um It's in a pretty good area in Philadelphia. It's got some pretty uh, esteemed neighbours. It's a a course that was lacking in sort of interest, um, particularly for locals to come and play or visitor. Visitor play was very low. We're talking, you know, three to four visitors a day if they're lucky.
0: Wow.
1: Um, Which in comparison to, a you know, Philly Cricket, which is just 15 minutes away. They, uh, they're predominantly um, guest play with a member. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be a fascinating turnaround. So we have currently sort of completed, let's say, four to five greens there now. Um, still a fair few to go, but uh, so far, so good. The reception's been great by the club. Um, they're awesome to work with and, and work for, so... Uh, it's all going well. We had a great run with weather, so everything's going, uh, ahead schedule. So yeah, we're pretty happy.
0: When you, when you get on to do that sort of job, I'm guessing that where there is a massive piece of how long it's going to take you to do everything. Do you book that trip thinking I'll be home in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, or does it just sort of, no, nah, this is the time I've got a and I can only go and do that. And then I've got to get out of there.
1: Uh, booking for worst case scenario. And then, yeah, obviously, if things improve, we can always come home a little earlier. And, yeah, for example, like, it's the first weekend I got there, there had been a fair amount of rain on the weekend. Um, And we we were going to play a game at Quaker Ridge. And by the time we got there, like, it had a serious amount of rain that, you know, half the course was, like, underwater. All the bridges were we're pretty much blown up and we were just thinking for the worst, just for the project that we have down in Philly. Like if this is what's happened at Quaker and, you know, and think about the courses in that, in that region as well. Um, yeah, it stuff like that can crop up and, and fortunately it just keeps dodging us. Um, so yeah, we've just started to have, to get frost. That happened last week. We had a couple of frosty, frosty mornings. So that starts to, uh, a factor but overall it's it's a fairly nice climate to work in um there's there's not much wind that comes through there it's like quite stable conditions like yes it will get cold but um it's kind of like clear blue sky and and minus degrees but which is still okay to work in Hmm. um so yeah as long as it doesn't rain we're all good
0: and what how did you get into this to begin with like there'll be people wondering like I, i i know people think, oh, you know what, I might go and just work in a golf course and, you know, just tell them how to shape pots or, you know, cut some grass. It just can't be that hard. like. And, and it's clearly they've got no idea. How do you end up in this outside of just having a passion and, and, and end up where you are? Like that can't be easy.
1: No, I have absolutely no idea. I, I've got no pathway and, and advice. Um, <laughs> I guess you've got to be so naive and blind and passionate. Blindly passionate. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you've known me for a while now. So um, yeah, like I've been a, a golf bum and a golf degenerate for a long time. So, you know, I I don't know any different. And and this is what I wanted have had my eyes on doing for such a long time now. And I still don't feel like I still feel like an imposter, but um, I think people will always feel that way. Mm. Um, and maybe that just will keep, you know, architects on their toes. Yep. Um, and yeah, I guess nature will always win at the end of the day. So um, I don't think anyone uh, has the right to sort of conquer the land, although we might be touching on an architect um who's making a debut on the pga tour later yeah. in the podcast who probably might differ from my opinion but yes
0: the um it's a good segue that you talk about architecture because i've heard a rumor and that's not the first one i've heard it either that you were very very unlucky not to win a major award a few years ago in the lido design contest is that true well, i know it's true Well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I've got, I've actually got one of them framed, but I always, so I always forget to mail it off. Um, I always have that trouble. So I just end up just drawing them anyway. as like a fun exercise. So I think I've only entered the Lido like officially twice.
0: So, so for people that are listening, give it, give us a real rundown on what the Lido is and, and then. Yeah, why people send yes. their drawings. Yeah, in. So,
1: the, so the Lido competition um, is in honor of Alison McKenzie and their McKenzie Society. Run a pretty fun, uh, creative competition that is just worth doing. And it clearly is. It drums up a, a lot of interest. Like it must be a nightmare to judge because mm. you're getting en- entrants from all around the world um, submitting. Uh, their golf holes so if, yeah depending on the year it might be a par four or a par five or a par three hole and it needs to sort of uh be of the style and of the time of when Mackenzie originally submitted his uh lido competition um, entry which i believe they've built in the new lido course which has opened same um, hills yeah this summer yeah. Um, so it's got, a, it's, it's come full circle there. Um, as far as my entries are concerned, I think the one where I got, where, where I would have been close was during COVID and it was like a, a two in one deal. I think where like,
0: the York twenty twenty. I think people,
1: yeah, where people could submit like two entries and, and there was all sorts of different rule changes. Um, I, I, I only just submitted the one. Because uh, probably again I, forget, I like, I'm forget to enter every time. It comes at such a funny time of the year. I, I just get the annual text from Maddie yep. Um and then I start to scramble, um, <laughs> get trying to get stuff together, and then um, the whole issue of just actually because you have to post it in the mail as well, which is a always a fun game going. Yeah. To make my annual trip to get one stamp from the <laughs> post office. Um,
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. so it's not not common anymore, especially in in uh in the digital world, having to put something that's a sketch or a drawing that's not being sent and in someone's inbox three seconds later.
1: Yes, and and would highly recommend people to enter it. I think it's around the April time period. Okay, um, it's just such a fun exercise to do anyway, and yeah. it's been really cool. Like, uh, people send you know, their designs back and forth. And it's really, I I find it neat seeing people's um, artistic skills progress. Like speaking of Matty's, like um, it improves year on year as he sort of reflects on what he's done last year and and Mm -hmm. how he can improve his design skills. Um, Yeah, it's a great exercise.
0: Yeah, I think I'd be be happy just looking at some of your drawings and and Matt's drawings rather than having to crack myself. I don't think I've got the brain for it. I just don't, I've been around people like, yourself and Matt and people that design golf courses and what they see through their eyes and what I see, and I'm getting better, but just, it's just, it's just, I find it absolutely amazing, especially when you see something like, and we've talked about seven mile in the last sort of, I don't know, few months with Will, but just what someone can see looking at that terrain when it's covered in trees and still having a rationale of how that course might look or play i just it just blows my mind that the the people have that ability ability
1: yeah it's something that i guess you continue to like massage though yeah uh yeah i th- i guess that's the way i understand it like yes people can have quite a refined vision of what they're trying to produce but then as they massage that vision out on the land like it creates something different, which Mm -hmm. I find quite interesting. Um, I'm also a big proponent of just layers of interest and layers of architecture. Um, as you mentioned off the top that, um, you've had a couple of Kingston Heath members on and, you know, what I love the most about Kingston Heath is, is it's layers of architecture. So it's, you know, sort of generations of, um, of people that have made an impact on the site. Um, It's quite contrasting to what we uh, experience with some of the restoration work that we do back in the US, where it is trying to do a sympathetic restoration of a particular architect from a particular time period, Mm -hmm. Um, which, yes, that does have a role to play. Um, But also I I just think that... um, I think having layers to the land and the landscape, um, I, I, I find just a, a fair bit more compelling. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you you do see in the United Kingdom as well. Um, the golden age of architects weren't afraid to um, design, you know, in a complementary manner to their um, Victorian predecessors.
0: Yeah, I think... So much would change over time and, and i guess with even terrain and about a million other things so trying to take it back to a certain time period would be difficult in itself i would guess
1: yeah and yeah. well we yeah you could talk about like how redundant hazards are from the 1920s yeah where they are today and <laughs> correct and, and green sh- and green gradients and grades um yeah you know, what they were back then when they had slower greens to mm. what you can't build today and runoffs and it it goes on and on. So yeah, what is what is like sympathetic restoration like yeah. at the end of the day, like it is still like it's it's a very confusing and touchy subject for a lot of people. So um yeah, I I don't know what the right answer is and mm. probably why I'm not the right person for for the job half the time to be honest like you know i'll yeah it's a very it's a very confusing area
0: well you do have outside of that job you do have another job and it's still artistic with Built studios how many how did well how did you get into doing that and like obviously lots of designs and i've seen you put up redesigns of logos for courses that you're not even necessarily working with like what what sort of drove you to, to get involved with that sort of stuff?
1: I really like golf logos and I, I love the charming nature of them. uh, it's so unique to like to sporting sports branding. And it's so unique to even just the broader like branding design world, um, particularly with the the quirky style of, of logos that particularly existed in the U S um, and how successful they are um in creating uh alternative revenue streams and i think that's where i became um quite passionate and quite like quite an advocate for branding work and doing branding work for golf clubs because golf clubs rely on the golf course being their primary um source of income and like for the most part, there are so many sust- uh, unsustainable practices going on with the golf course be- being uh, a golf club's primary, um, yeah, source of income. That it mm. gets stressed and and worn out and and starts to deteriorate um, quite rapidly, and 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 then all of a sudden you've got quite an unsustainable golf club that is running at a loss. So to create, you know, this is not a a revenue stream that completely alleviates that, but it's it is just one of hopefully many that can yeah. that can ease some of the pressure off golf clubs having to really um, sell more tea times than than what the golf course um, necessarily needs. So that's like sort of gave me the drive to do something like that as um, for golf. Uh, I also just love the aspect of like it being a bit like teamware. I also like the idea of it being storytelling. So when you see someone's bag and there's a series mm. of golf logos that are recognizable, it can tell a bit of a story. It's great for um, creating conversation. Um, yeah. There's a lot to like about doing branding work.
0: I'm not going to ask what, your, what you think is the worst golf logo, but I will ask what's your favorite golf logo.
1: Well, Wingfoot is awesome. But Wingfoot yeah. just did their centenary one. Um, I I saw just before coming back, which they've gone even further into the time, um it, it further back in time, yeah, and they've gone with just this really nice, like luxurious red, all red look. Uh, that is very, very nice and and quite hard to beat. Uh on my recent trip, um, what else did we see that I liked? Uh, Philly Cricket had a few interesting alternatives. Oh yeah, um, that that was just a really nice, really nice. Aronics got a really nice shot with a couple of alternative logos. Um,
0: Your home club is my favourite logo in Australia, not the main logo. The, the Common Heath logo. Yeah,
1: that's. Yeah. So good. That one's really nice. That that that's a great example of, of a really well thought out um logo and brand. Um
0: yeah. When you see that, it on, like you said, a like a story almost like I think Matt has it on his one of his putter, maybe. But when you see it on a towel or you see it on a head cover, you know, it doesn't scream branding, but it, it's a beautiful picture and a beautiful logo, it's just so, so good.
1: Yeah, and it and it creates a prompt as to like what is that? And then you can then explain what it is. Um, Yeah. Obviously golf logos that have the name of the course and place plastered across is um, probably already falls into the category of of bad, bad branding and bad, bad golf logo design. Even though like, uh, you know, people want to just get the message across straight away. I think golf, good golf course branding tries to do the opposite. It tries to um, create curiosity. I guess my, I guess my favourite actually is one that um, was a bit of a team project Mm -hmm. by um, I think Dom Placik was one that sort of led the charge and Mm -hmm. and the people at Seamus did the St. Patrick's logo. That is actually a great new logo and um, I've just got the hat here, which I have been using at work and and wear all the time. Um, I didn't have anything to do with that logo, but I think that's actually one of my favourites because there's – plenty of meaning to it it's a great shape it's a great size it looks good across the board yeah that that's a great look. yeah that's key
0: that's key um now in a previous life you're a caddy at capital you know yeah. I, I i don't even think you've ever told me that i i think but I, we played golf with tom powell horn a little while back and he had caddy there as well um okay i, I know there's a, probably a million stories you can't tell me um, but give people that are listening who have no idea what Capital Golf Club is—that's Crown, Crown's Golf Club here in Melbourne—that no one gets to play. Um, what was a lot being around there, and yeah, how did it all work?
1: It was it was wild. Um, <laughs> so I had two jobs when I was fifteen. Um, I got a job at Pizza Hut cooking pizzas, yep. and not long after that, I had found out about Capital and got really curious found out they had caddies um which is like one of the only golf courses um in the country that has its own caddy ranks mm-hmm. and so uh with the help of Craig Spence he yeah. shot an email off to the manager at Capital being like hey I got this um guy that's interested in caddying," and it was like one of those ones where I was like yeah hey come come down and and try it out and I guess to sort of preface this, like I, I had, was probably the youngest um, employed caddy a Big Capitals ever had <laughs> um, because they were really actually targeting um, sort of ambitious uh, golfers that had either just turned professional and were coming back to just earn a bit of money and bouncing back and forth between uh, tours mm-hmm. and, or they were top amateurs ready to turn pro but needing to save some money and and we're still keeping the top amateur dream alive and then if you didn't fall into that category you were like you know a uni student so they were like sort of people in that 20 to 30 year old age bracket and then there was just me this now, like, were you? 15 year old kid <laughs> <laughs> um which was like the early days was wild um like, I, I don't know how I got the job. I love it. Like it was so much fun. I was having a great time working there. Um, yeah, it was the perfect job for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I kept myself kept quiet and before you know it, like the years ticked over and, and, and the caddies would, would come and go over the years. Um, so many, so many interesting characters had had come through the doors and, and before you. You, you know, you know it. You know, like I've been there for five, six years, and now I'm yeah. like, now I'm the one in my early twenties, and and you know, I'm getting all my mates work yeah. there, and and um, oh, I had so much fun over the years, you know, with all your, with all your mates caddying and um rallying around together, and just yeah, had a great time, and um, there's so there's, there's so much from back, like the yeah the the people that would come through the the all the range of ability of, of golf oh, yeah. because um you know it 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 had all sorts of of walks of life um it, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was an interesting place
0: because a lot of them would have been I'm guessing mainly the high rollers that they would send down there from the casino but there would have been I mean celebrities and people staying in town at the hotel and all sorts of people coming through
1: yeah and particularly early like early on in my um career at Capital was like you were you were seen and you meant to be not seen and not yeah. heard, yeah, yeah, um yeah. and you sort of were hiding away. And yeah, there would there'd only be like there might not be any groups in a day, and there might be only yeah. one or two. Or you know, it, it it was it was very discreet what would happen, and you wouldn't even as a caddy you wouldn't even know who would be coming through. Mm. Like that's how secretive it is. And then you know all of a sudden you might get the call up to go and caddy, and and that's when all of a sudden you get you could be greeted with, yeah, like you said, a celebrity, a hard roller, um, yeah, just you name it. And it's kind of at that moment, you don't have any time to react or yeah. anticipate who you're going to be paired with. Um, yeah. And so were, were that, sitting, oh, sorry,
0: Is that, there like a caddy room at the back or were you there on site and ready to go? So there was this,
1: um, so there was a caddy shack that was downstairs, like in a bunker, like a mm. good concrete bunker that got, no phone receptions and, and you just had a radio that would radio you up. And that's where sort of, you know, you just lived off of cheese toasties and <laughs> just having an, like just a yarn about life. Um, before I was there, it was where John Daly used to come and bring his lunch down when he was in Melbourne practicing, he would come and just want to hang out with the caddies and
0: yeah.
1: and share a Coke with them and, a coca-cola with them yeah. and, and just have <laughs> and have a yarn Diet Coke. um yeah dc and and just yeah just be a part of those boys and yeah you'd be surprised like yeah tom tom power horan um he caddy there for years um there was there's been a lot of great golfers come through the doors and and all sorts of careers had, had come from it um johnny sutherland you know he he heads it up and John was John still is a stick but he like he had great game and and yeah. you know he just talks about people that come through um yeah just the the character's like there's one of the blokes oh, I can't remember his name but he coaches Phil Mickelson and he was at Capital early yeah, days wow. um and now he's like made it over in the states as as a, as a golf coach and you know coaching Phil and you know and and you have Johnny you know, just looking at the TV as we all would on like a Monday morning, you'd be like, "Oh, there, there is he is! Oh, I remember he was, I remember he was caddying here." And, you know, it's funny, it was we're golf <laughs> coach. Yeah, yeah, this is that old yarn.
0: I was lucky enough to play there. It has to be ten years ago, um, at least. And some of the things we were told, I'm going to get you to confirm or deny. So, the first thing we were told is, on average, maximum people allowed to play the course each day was about twelve. I mean, I'm sure they would have had golf days maybe here and there, but what would the average? Yeah, we day, had golf
1: days. Yeah,
0: but what would a normal day hold? Like a normal day in day out, could be anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, it could, and I, I guess I didn't really have. It wasn't actually the course that couldn't have the capacity to have more players. It was actually probably like the infrastructure of the, because like you have to have crown limousines come out, and the whole, yeah. the amount of staff members <laughs> needed to just to have to entertain one person as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it was a really big operation There was nothing like it in Australia and there never will be anything like it. I don't no. think um, we,
0: we got picked up and there was two, two sets of three and then a host from the bat. Then it was crown bet. So it was a crown bet host and three players and then crown bet host and three players in the other car. And yeah, we're in the big SUV car from crown towers took us out through the back entrance into capital and there's a driving range completely empty with beautiful pyramids of golf balls waiting to be, waiting yeah, to I'd set be those
1: pyramids every morning I remember doing <laughs> that. And, and um we'd have to do it on, in a straight line so we had to um we had this like fishing wire so like not only is it like 6 30 in the morning and, and you're frozen like your fingers are frozen and you're you're running that, that string line perfect and then you're stepping everything out perfect. Yep. And then the pyramids are perfect. It was look, it was you got great satisfaction out of it. because um, yep. on top of that, you've got the the mowing lines um yeah. needed to be really straight. So like you you line all that up. And I don't know if you notice how that was, but that's the way it was every day. It was a minimum of um 12 buckets. Sometimes we might put out 16, depending on what part yep. of the range we wanted to use. Um and yeah, the, and it's like carpet, right? Like
0: it was ridiculous. And we saw there was only one person there, and he was right down the end, hiding, practicing. And that was Daniel Popovic. Not long after he won the Australian PGA, and we knew Popper, so we we're like, "What is he? What is going on here?" So he was down there, but he was waiting to play golf with Ricky Ponting. So, yeah, we played, and they were recutting the holes on the, one of the five thousand putting greens there. And I was thinking, no one would have even putted to that hole yet in. Since their last cut up, but they're recutting it to a different spot because it was all immaculate. Um, yeah. But the only people on course were to our two groups of four. Uh, Ricky Ponting was playing with Daniel Popovic, and Shane Warne was playing by himself on the other nine, and that was it on the whole course. It was amazing, but yeah, it was the, 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 like manicured within an inch of its life, like just unbelievable. You could have been anywhere on planet Earth, you wouldn't have a clue where you were. Like it was just, yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess that's the example of like minimal human traffic. What, like, what can be achieved by that? Um, when we spoke before about courses that have, like, like even capital wouldn't be bulletproof from you know having seventy thousand rounds a year come through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. You got you. Got to see the contrast. So we talk about like setting the. Pyramids are another job that we had to do was um, and we that was re- we had to do it quite regularly almost like every second day would be the to paint um, the cups yeah with white but we actually had to do it with a paintbrush and and, and chalk paint and doing the 18 holes on the course wasn't bad because you got to break it up between holes but like you're sort of in quite a bent over position for your hamstrings but when you talk about that um, putting course. They didn't, like you said, they, they did change over the putting course holes regularly, but not as regularly as the main course. Yeah. And when you hear that, like, oh, we've done the the putting holes, like you need to get up there and start painting, yeah. and your hamstrings are you'd you'd hardly be able to walk out of the gates of Capital after having to do, I think it was thirty six holes of. Well, even more, actually. Yeah, it's, it was...
0: It, it was like the putting green. It wasn't even the main putting green. It was like this tiny little putting green, I think, as you sort of came off maybe 18 right against the clubhouse. Like it was a, a little putting green there. They were just re, cutting everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, oh, best player you saw go through there. Or best score you saw saw shot there.
1: Uh, okay. So best player was Tiger.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Um
0: Did you get to category or him or rest. just saw him playing there?
1: Uh I did for, for 3 holes. Nice. Um yep, that was fun. Um
0: that'd be literally on my LinkedIn page, but yeah, keep going.
1: I uh, yeah, I can't I cannot probably talk talk uh anymore about that date. No, that's um fine. best score Well, there's sort of two parts to that. I'd I'd want to pump myself up there because I was on track for one around there. Um, As after like working up, I was probably, I probably had worked there for about eight or nine years by then. And had finally worked up the courage to be able to sneak out after everyone's gone to go and have a few rounds of golf. Um, Yeah. And then obviously, didn't want to um I want to take full advantage of that opportunity um and I remember going out with um yeah a few of the other caddies and you know one of the caddies is was Ben Wharton um and yeah Ben is a good player and we're we're having like a head-to-head match and I I was on early on that front nine, um and I was probably I would have been 6 or 7 under through 11 which to me is is um like Well
0: what's your handicap to
1: start lights with out Um then it would have been I would have been scratch plus 1 yep. then
0: um, That's still um, amazing golf
1: I I I would have been unconscious for that front nine like I just and I think I just really wanted to like try and just yeah Ben Ben's a few years older yep. um good player I think I just really wanted to just you know, tr- like, just try as hard as I could, even though it's just like a casual afternoon round, yeah. Um, and at the time, like, the the best score around there, what like, I don't like it, it's a, it's a pretty tough course. Like, it, if you'd start to miss a bit, uh, a miscue, a misfire, it becomes a little hard. So, um, yeah, I think the best score was around that mark of, of five or six under, yeah. and I was six, six or seven. Through a let and, and had a stretch of holes if because you know you've played capital like 11s are short for 12s, a short par five, yeah. 13 also is a par five, it's long, but you know, you've that's a stretch yeah. of golf where you can capitalize. And so I just went like Icarus and just wanted to just keep going, yeah. Um, and I went backwards, and Ben Ben just like the like the wiser the wise tortoise just like mowed me down um i think i finished three under and he finished four um to win um so he proved proved to be and again that that's quite a good score
0: oh Um, yeah
1: and they were doing a fair bit of that i think the best score was surprisingly nicholas colsarts oh um he shot like a 10 under or something nine under like went out just casually as like and and he and it was one of those ones because he's partners from Melbourne. Yes, um, that rings well. It was like it was a really funny week for him to be in town. Like, it's like he played the European, like a European tour event the week before. Like we're watching him on the on the TV. Yeah, and then he just rolled in. Um, and and because you can't really tell who he is either. Like, he, no. until he starts opening his mouth, he's got the European accent, and and um, then you see him swinging, and you're like, okay, like. He's okay. And we, yeah. And uh, he went like, and he was pretty happy with himself that day. Um, So I'll, I'm, yeah, I'd give it to Nick Colsart. The
0: when we were there, the guy said girl. the best he'd seen was six under from Sergio. That was, that yep. was, that yeah. Was Sergio was life.
1: the old yarn. That's so that's who I was trying to knock off. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's um, amazing. I mean, you, any, anything close to anything like that is amazing. Yeah. But um,
1: I, I, I think that's just the story of my life, really, just to like, go really hot and just crash and burn
0: that's that's golf that's literally <laughs> golf um now my last question before we get to the other questions it's an embarrassing one well i don't think it's embarrassing i think it's amazing have you ever that's oh, right how long did it take you to come up with how you proposed to your fiance? i don't think you're married yet are you married yet no,
1: not married yet. We, okay. Yet. Um How did you, how
0: did you come up with it? What did you do just for the people at home that haven't seen it? Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to share it online obviously.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so, um well, so my fiance and I met on the golf course. Uh a long time ago now. Um and yeah, I guess the timing was was quite good. Uh this was uh just just over a year ago, it was. Should remember September. 12th, I think, twelfth of September. At no, least I was way far. Not Lily getting Papa, corrected, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So we were going on a on a European trip, and uh, that's as good a time as ever. And then when we found out that um, her girlfriend was going to be in in Paris um, around then um I thought that would be a pretty good opportunity to try and um you know in in this in the romantic city that Paris is or you know can be I, I thought you know, how do we combine this with 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 the golf element um so was able to have a game at Chantilly um arranged at a Tom Simpson course who's one of my sort of idols as a, as an architect um did I have much of a game plan absolutely not Um, I kind of not wanted to get it done, but I just like, I was actually just more looking at the finish line of going back in town and and having a party that I actually kind of forgot about all the steps that, um, that lead there. And and in fact, like, I didn't even like organize properly how to even get to the golf course. And we had an early tee time, like we were one of the first groups off. Um, so there was trains and cars and all sorts involved, just even to try and get us to the golf course. And then what golf hole when you've never even played the golf course before, yeah. is it was even trickier. So yeah, as we had, we had a magic, magical morning, um, weather was sub- superb, but as I'm going through the round of golf, I'm like, when, when's this going to happen? And then, um, the 16th hole, uh, like you sort of you tee off and it's just a slight dog leg right, But as you sort of get to about the 200, yard mark 200 to 250 yard mark on the left hand side you get this beautiful um avenue right through to the 18th hole and as soon as I saw that I was like that's the spot um 18th tee so um I felt quite nice then for for the rest of the um I wasn't the 16th hole was it and I mean that. I mean the fifteenth and then sixteenth goes down. Seventeenth, part three. Yeah. So it's the fifteenth. So I got to play sixteen and and seventeen. Um, oh. Quite relaxed actually. Once yeah. I know that, like that, there we go. And yeah, it worked out really well. Um, except for the fact I I didn't say anything. I just got down on one knee, and I thought that was um, actions sort of speak louder than words. Um, you did better
0: than me. Don't worry about that. Like to, to set up to <laughs> so set up the camera, and then have Lily tee off, and then turn around and turn seeing you on one knee. Yeah, you you put a lot of blokes to shame. I won't I won't lie to you. Mine was terrible, but um, yeah, I think nerves nerves alone, without knowing the golf course and where to do it and everything else, it was uh, very impressive. I must say.
1: Thanks. I try to be a bit of a hopeless romantic. I I I thought it was really fun, it's a mm. you know a memory that we'll have for life.
0: Absolutely. No, it's a ripper. Actually, one thing I didn't ask you before, which I should have, you are notorious for only carrying a half set were you carrying a half set when you're playing capital when you shot we're you getting getting close to the sun
1: yeah probably i <laughs> I, I haven't actually thought about it. i definitely i went to the half set basically when i got back from the uk in 2013 so yeah it, it would have been just be been pretty fresh into a half set
0: um, so still playing the half set yeah yeah Well,
1: it, it it gets a bit it's getting a bit of a mix at the moment um I've been listening to a couple of podcasts where they um romanticize about the Persimmon wood which has got me back in love with wanting to play Persimmon um so yeah it, it's it's a set that sort of would fluctuate between seven to to nine golf clubs
0: and how do you um, break it up?
1: I have got the four, six, eight pitching wedge and two wedges that really help. And then you can sort of, you can either just go the one wedge, um, or, or go and go high up the top end with like a three wooden driver, or for a long time, I just had a three wood, um, and would then go into the irons. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of one of my favorite clubs that I got in the bag at the moment is the forty nine degree wedge. That has just been, I yeah, I can't recommend enough a forty nine degree wedge in your bag. Um, I, I I use it for so much stuff now, just it, just to be able to control your flight with a wedge and and get it close into pins. Um, I'll try and use that most of the time. It's only when there's like a tucked pin where you have got to play like a really high. Mm-hmm um lofted shot but um you hardly come across it these days in golf so no, unless true. you're playing some crazy tillinghouse course um yeah
0: any any amazing courses that you saw when you're away or got to play
1: yeah 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 I, yeah I i feel real um i don't know what the, what the right word i feel a lot of guilt <laughs> that Why? um uh, I do I don't know. I, I feel so lucky and fortunate just to be able to do that's it. That's great. So, um, yes. The recent trip, uh, there were some really nice golf courses. Um, off the top of my head, we got to play Old Sandwich, which is a core and Crenshaw course, probably one of their most notable golf courses. Um, that was a great challenge that's up in Boston. Uh, coming back down, played Ridgewood. Um that's a 27 hole facility that has hosted some great events. Um, is host going to continue to host some some good events into the future? That's a really strong 27 hole facility. Uh, Russ was there, Philly Cricket. Um, that was a very like when you're playing amongst the list of those courses of Philly Cricket and aeronomy, um the Philly area is very good and bats very deep. Mm. Um, yeah, good good set of golf this fall that I got to sort of sneak out and play and
0: um how long happy. are you back or you're staying for a bit or do you have to get back soon
1: uh yeah we so I'll be probably flying out on Monday
0: oh wow yeah, yeah. very quick very quick <laughs> yeah around. no it's just a
1: short turnaround um,
0: all right well we're going to get to the uh lucky sevens questions and I'll rip through them because Lily is much more interesting than me after being away for so long I'm very very sure um favorite golf course you've ever played pine valley okay. it's a good flex <laughs> it's, yeah, it, yeah oh the best course in the world yeah good yeah. choice
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's really really good it i guess like uh the only thing that i wish i didn't take into consideration so much is everyone saying that the course is so hard Cause I don't think it's hard. I think it's, it's punishment is, is really difficult, but yeah. I think it is a very fair golf course. Um. I th- also believe that it's a course that's meant to really test and challenge the top players. Um. And I don't, I hope we can get back to maybe building the odd golf course like it, but it, for me it's, it's golf's ultimate like test of a, of a golfer that like an aspiring golfer that wants to be a scratch marker or, 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 or like that. Like it, it's, it's not made for someone who's a 15, 20 handicapper. Like it's yeah. just not made for that. Um, it, it, it is like the, the hardest test in golf for a reason. Yeah. Um, and it's the perfect measuring stick and um yeah i felt so compelled to write about that experience that i think it is um like our it's 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 a golfer's examination is is to be able to play there and and allow this course to be an examination of your game and particularly the way the round starts with you know the first hole i believe is an examination of um you know can you control your a, a straight ball with hazards left and right and particularly that green as you hit out and and it's like walking the plank you know can you control that straight ball and then the the second hole is this is a hole that is about controlling your distance with um oh, even off the back tee it's not a driver like you've got to find that right distance off the back and then you've got the big uphill sh- approach shot so that's you know testing can this player control the distance the next one yeah. is this Massive downhill path three. So then it's like same question. Can I can you control distance going downhill now? And then you get to the fourth, and it's like, can you do both? Can you control side to side and your distance? And then and then if you think you're not ready for it, you turn and have a look at five, which is just a, a brutal path three. Um, and if you and you're, you're close to the clubhouse, and if you feel like running for that clubhouse and hiding, um, yeah, yeah, that. That, that's what the golf course is but if, if you're in control of your game um I, yeah i i just I, I think it's just so good um yep. yeah you got to give credit to the to the septic tanks
0: <laughs> no it's a um yeah it's 100 on many many people's list what's the number one on your must playlist that you haven't played before This is a tough one for people that have played there's a, a lot of good courses. Oh, there is. Oh, there you go. I didn't think you. I no, thought you were like, few. oh, God. Um, um, you can give me a couple.
1: A Brora at the yep. top of Scotland.
0: Oh, um, Stuco is very happy with that answer.
1: If I'm lucky enough to get there and play there, I know that there's also other great golf course offerings in the area. So um, that, that, that ticks off a, a fair few in that, like, sort of yeah. crude and bay and cullen and all this sort of really quirky scottish stuff which would be which would be really nice um might need to try and convince lily as a as a honeymoon, honeymoon? destination nothing says you know honeymoon like sunny scotland um <laughs> so that would be great um more fontaine has always been really big on the list for me um just have heard nothing but good things about that place i i also just kind of talk about like the inner romance of, of being able to a play around a golf and then have a you know some cheese and wine yeah. overlooking the the course um and a heathland style course I, I really enjoy heathland golf so that's big on the list um uh and then us it, it like ngla um yeah is is also like something that i really like to go and play but again like you would love to have the opportunity to play it in, in summer and, and and see the the firm conditions and um yeah they're, 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 they're three courses they're, that are, they're a
0: good they're a good handful for sure
1: lose sleepover
0: no um you can only have one the masters or the open which one is it the open yeah that's a popular answer I think and, and I always ask this as a follow-up the open are you watching it or winning it
1: both <laughs> no winning it that yeah I'd yeah I'd like to win it as an amateur with seven golf clubs
0: yeah
1: um and but and if they alle- and, and if the RNA allow for me to play with a persimmon yeah um yeah that'd be great
0: yeah that, that's a hundred a movie if that happens um prefer, preferred um action a striped drive or a flushed iron.
1: I would kill to flush an iron at the moment.
0: Okay. That's good. That's topical. I think a lot of good golfers like yourself, it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of do both. But no, if it's if you're not doing that at the moment, it's definitely a feeling that you want to get back. Putting, is it pin in or pin out? Hmm.
1: Um, depends on the distance.
0: Yep. Yep. No, again, popular answer. Inside of X feet, I has to come out, but I think a lot of people don't care if it's in from longer parts. I guess. Yep. Um this one I think I know the answer to, but you might throw a curveball at me. Are you a dew sweeper or half sets and sunsets?
1: Oh, I'm a juice sweeper.
0: Yeah. Really? There you go. You went the opposite. I thought you'd be afternoon afternoon wandering around the course with, No, with I, the
1: I love I love trying to be one of the first groups off. I love oh. it's when the greens are playing their most fair, when they've just had the perfect cut and roll. Yeah. Um as yeah, for being a caddy for you know t- over ten years and seeing a lot of greens and seeing a lot of breaks and and having you know some pr- pretty high pressure like green reads and and even now working in this you know profession like I really like nothing irritates me more than seeing something that should roll true and it doesn't so yeah. um being able to go out in-, in in the early mornings you tend to get the most fair role and i think hence why I like scoring is a lot better in the morning too yeah for, for players um I th- obviously people say oh yeah you know, conditions tend to be more calm and favorable but i i think it's actually more to to the fairness of the greens i think everyone forgets about that
0: 100 if i'm looking at first round leader betting uh definitely have a look at greens that are pure and haven't been especially with the clowns on the pgo tour that still get around in metal spikes um, even though they can tap them down it just it's wear and tear over a day when you get 130 players through um yeah it, it definitely yeah it's a,
1: it's also the subtle volcano effect that happens yep. around so it's not even just like the spike marks but it's the constant pressure yep. from that like i i sound bonkers but it's if, no I'm with there isn't there is enough of like it, it can be like a quarter of a of a percent of a volcano action and that it yep. can be enough on greens that these days that are like that's again going back to green speeds like they're so quick that that is enough to make enough of a change where mm. a ball that should be falling on the lip just why they always just stay on the edge off. yeah
0: and for the people at home so what nick's saying is for the amount of people that step and go to reach to get the ball out of the hole they don't step right up next to the hole so that inch or two inches around the hole becomes a donut and stays raised and so the rest of it sits down so yeah someone like me who dies it into the hole yeah that's i'm 100 running with that excuse every time that's why i miss all my parts most of the time um not really um last question your favorite golf memento or keepsake do you have something that you have in your bag or at home that is like this is for me this is the one thing that means the most
1: I got this ball marker that I like designed and made.
0: Yep.
1: And it has I am not a yeah, I'm probably not one of the types that really gets like holds on to something. Um yep. and so that has become something that I like to hold on to because what it says on um or around the outside is, is it just says um it's just a reminder saying that you know, we're all just custodians of the game no one owns it Yep. um and i just like that reminder that like no one's bigger than golf and we're all just trying to pass it down to the next generation and, and to be constantly thinking about that
0: it's a yeah it's a good definitely a good way to look at it and it's certainly a popular answer the um the ball marker or something like that is something that people they've got an affinity with and that and it's something that people really I mean, it's, it's certainly a part of the game where you need that feel and that some sort of connection, that putting. So I think it's good that that's what people always come back to when I ask them that question. Except for Mollica. Mollica has a driver, a, a hickory driver at home with the Royal Melbourne stamping and of, yeah. everyone's got something different.
1: Of course. Well, yeah, I guess the other thing that I'd probably say is when I was like 16 and just starting golf, I remember having this like fluoro plastic tee that I just like had for maybe five rounds straight, which is yeah. like unheard of in, in the T world. So that became quite a, a thing and and quite a sad moment where you know you lost you, it. You, you, when you lose it. Yeah. <laughs> so so that was that
0: was a short lived, you know, memento. Yep. But it meant something. It definitely meant something. Um mate, thanks that that was really good. I really appreciate the chat. Um for the week in golf, did you you wouldn't have watched much golf because you were traveling between the other side of the world and Melbourne. Uh, the big event yeah. this week was the Qatar Championship. So, not, a, not not a not a big week for the PJ Tour. They had the week off. Um, it was a Sammy Valimaki win. He beat Jorge Campillo in a playoff. Uh, for the picks this week, we actually had Jorge Campillo in our picks to win at forty to one. So that was a little bit disappointing. I couldn't start to watch the final of it. I just was so tired. And like we were talking about before we started recording, you get it. You get a vibe on players sometimes. Campillo was winning by two shots. It was about the tenth or eleventh, and I'm like. I'm going to bed. He's getting rolled here. This I, I just can feel. This is, he just. I'm not getting the vibe. He's going to hang on. Um and yeah, it wasn't long after that he started to de- deteriorate. Um, drivable sixteenth hole, he hit it into the rock, short of the green. Um, ended up making a bogey where everyone was making birdies. At, and um, yeah, that was at least a two shot swing that probably cost him. Um, it was a little bit disappointing for the bets, but that's all right. You can't pick them every single week. Um, we did say in the early rounds for the round one leader. To have a look at the people that were playing in the morning. It was horrendous weather predicted for the afternoon as you get in Dubai. Sorry, Qatar, where they had the um the really, really strong winds come through, a bit of a sandstorm. So we had the right time. We just didn't have the right players. We didn't have Scott Jamison or uh, New Zealander Daniel Hillier, who went out and went really, really well. Um and Jamison's third place finish locked up his card for next season. So that was very he was very, very happy with that. Went in at about 119th place in the race to Dubai. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing you didn't get to watch too much of the the qatar golf last week
1: no but i have been in the middle east when those sandstorms come through so that is a very good um thing to just keep and remember when you know whenever it's in qatar or in saudi or in the uae um worth considering and 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 also some of those like just those european bodies that are used to cooler climates like that how much energy you can you can drain to be out in that in the sun even though it's you know sort of we're in october we're heading into into cooler conditions it still can get really hot out there and you can mm. you just expose there's no there's no shade to hide in um yeah <laughs> and and also with with janison like talk about so on like where people are wrapping up their season he's really you know he, he's fighting like he's he's got to be yeah. a dog so get gets a good draw sees this as an opportunity just to, to try and ex, uh to execute and does so so mm. worth worth Checking out this time of year is a pretty good time to have a look at some outsiders.
0: It's a different mix. I agree with you 100. percent No matter what the event is, whether it's the Euro Tour or the PGA Tour, these guys aren't playing at this time of year because they just love playing golf. That's this is a living, and they're trying to secure their living. And guys that you know want it more and can execute, they're, they're just going to they're going to stick around and keep their card and grind it out. And there are going to be guys that just don't handle the pressure and disappear. That's why I really like when I look at the US tour betting this time of year, the guys that have come up from the Corn Ferry because they've just been absolutely hammered in having to go low every single round, every single week. And they come up to the PGA Tour and you've got some guys that have kind of been able to pick their schedule for two or three years and then they get these young guys or guys that have been grinding come up and, and pinch wins. Um, it, it just happens every year. Um, the other event that was on this week, or one of the other two events that was on this week, it was the Asia Pacific amateur. Um, Jasper Stubbs um was absolutely unbelievable in the three man playoff. Um he beat Wen Yi Ding and Samson Yune Zeng. Who I followed around Zeng on Saturday. Um he was unbelievable. Some of the parts he was running at Royal Melbourne, like Royal Melbourne was absolutely on Saturday was for someone who wasn't playing, was so good to watch. You, I wouldn't, you couldn't, like, even if I've loved playing Royal Melbourne, any chance I get, I'm there. I don't know if I would have taken the job that day. It was brutal. It was 30 to 60-kilometer-hour winds. Um, standing on, I always muck this up, is it five or six green on west, the par four dog leg right up the hill where you sort of, you come over the sort Yeah, of six the, west. Six west. I stood on that green for an hour and just watched, Blokes absolutely eject like they could not. The pin was cut right side, but just past the false front. And anyone that didn't get didn't get there, the ball would almost stop, and then it would just start rolling because the wind was coming through, and it was back past the front of the pots. It was just so good to watch for someone who wasn't playing. It was awesome.
1: Well, in those conditions, it it almost becomes harder having the the course knowledge, and that's probably where it's more impressive for for Jasper to get up because, like, he would have played there a fair amount even mm. in, in in the year leading up to it. I'm pretty sure he played pennant there um, this year and um, would have seen it many times. And so, yeah, even with the knowledge of, like, this is where all the trouble is um, yeah. and having that in your head and being able to block that negativity out, um, yeah, because when Royal has hosted um the Asia Pacific you do tend to get these players that just can be naive and block out everything and 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 be really focused and and see some great you can see some really you know surprising and great results um yeah I still think it does it's a course that finds the best player in the week so
0: yeah it was uh it was a, an amazing day to go Saturday. And and when these events are around, I can't recommend this highly enough for people to go and watch. It's just, you know, people, you know, we don't get enough people to our biggest, you know, Australian Open and, and events, let alone this sort of stuff or Vic Open. But people, I just can't recommend enough to do this. Um, The, the guy, um, that Samson Zeng, um, shot 65 in those conditions. I think only one other person went under, maybe nobody. And it was just not a day to shoot that. Like it was... It was just so amazing. I think through between six and twelve or six and thirteen, he went like five under, um, eagle ten on the composite or the composite they were playing. It was just amazing to watch. Um, we had the picks up. Um, we missed the the closest we got in the picks was we had Max Charles who finished one shot out of the playoff. He was six, paying sixty seven dollars. And again, like you said, when we when I looked at it, you know, it's a it's a lottery, and I was very careful to people just make sure you're betting responsibly. Just do it for for a bit of fun. Um, and I really just had a look at the guys that had any sort of Royal Melbourne or, or Sam Belt experience because they're the guys that can understand it. I, you know, if you're looking at some of the guys that were coming in from overseas that had never seen a course like this and trying to fly wedges into in high and have them sit down, it's like that, ain't, that ain't, doesn't work that way here. Um, that's just not going to work. So he was good. Connor McDade um, was one that got in a late start and, and he was in the picks. He was he when when uh, Sportsbet finally had him added. At my request, um, which was halfway through round one, which didn't help me at all, because then they cancelled my bet. Um, He was about two hundred fifty to one, but he he still had a really really good week. And the other one was Jeffrey Gran, who um who who was they all finished you know good enough, but obviously none of them won. Um, but Justin Stubbs was yeah was just too good, especially in the final round. Just the two under was just rock solid to get in there. Did did they show much? I think they showed a bit of overseas because I saw some people in the states talking online around it being on TV and other bits and pieces, which is great. Colton O's was wandering around, Sully from No Long Up was wandering around. Like there was um yeah, the green jackets from Augusta were wandering around. Um there was a million people out there, which was just great. It was just really, really good to see.
1: Yeah, some those those Aussies that you mentioned are talented. Um really gutsy effort by Max to to mm. put up a score in that final round two to to get so close as well. Yeah. So
0: um
1: yeah, it's it's a great chance to see sort of the next generation of players
0: mm, i agree i agree um the last event was the lpga so the lpga we did have the winner so we had celine boutier at 13 dollars. she was about the third or fourth favorite um she won the maybank championship in a nine hole playoff uh it was i won't say it was, it was it was excruciating and it was amazing at the same time They had holes where neither of them could have hit a fairway and then laid up on the par five. It was a really poor design. So he had the 18th hole, which was the par five, and then they went and played 10, which was a par three, but that 10th par three didn't finish anywhere near the tee for 18, and then they jumped them in carts and take them all the way back out to 18 to play 18 again. So they didn't kind of have a loop set up too well. And when you have to go around nine times, they really dragged it out, plus they had a weather delay in the middle. Um, but Celine Boutier beat Atea Titical in the playoff finally. To be fair, she probably had her beat six of the nine holes to start with. She she, she probably put her, should have put her away a little bit earlier. She had a few lip out putts. Um, but yeah, with that, she gets number one in the world, um, which was really, really good to see. The course was, um, yeah. Was it was for, for the amount of water and weather they got come through? It was just amazing that they actually held up, which was which was good. They it was really good. They so they actually had finished because I, I didn't think they were going to get it done. I thought they were coming back. But that <laughs> did you say that
1: there was a weather delay in the playoff?
0: In the playoff, yep it was like the second hole of the playoff, <laughs> That's how big and they had the a weather delay. <laughs> they were like mm, siren, and they were like come back in an hour. They had to go inside. It was like a one of those massive storms came through. Oh, it my. was uh, it was bad. Um, so the picks this week, we went went through all of those. Um, the only one that we didn't talk about just then was we had we had a we have a round one three ball month multi. And we picked four groups, we missed one of four, so we got three out of four, but that doesn't pay anything. I know there has been one listener who's been messaging me because he's getting the four and then putting him into lots of three, and he's still winning. So that's he's very smart. I'm not very smart, so I can't remember who that was. But good luck to them. Uh, If you do want to get on the tipping email, it comes out every Thursday, three podcast at gmail.com or us a note on Instagram. Um, Yeah. The the list is growing. Funnily enough, when you pick 50 to one winners and and 90 to one winner, I think was the other week. people really want to see the tips. So um, yeah, I I do circle it out. So if you do want to get on board, let me know. This week's event is in Mexico. We're at a new course. It's El Cardinal, Al Diamante. That is probably not even close to how it's pronounced. It's in Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. Uh, as we were alluded to before, Tiger Woods designed course. Um, it's his, I think I'm pretty sure it's the first course he's got on the PGA Tour or the PGA Tour has been to. Um, it's Pass Palum. So Pass Palum. Now, Nick, you are so much more advanced in your knowledge of grasses on golf courses than me. All I think about when I hear of Pass Palum, the first course that came to mind was Kiowa and then obviously the other courses we've played in Mexico. But my Coba being one, which I've played a couple of times, so I get the vibe of it. But every time they talk about it, they always the players always talk about the the around the greens being sticky with their wedges. That it sort of must be just a bit uh, grabbing on the wedges. Do you have any insight on pastelum for us? You can say no.
1: Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not really a cl- like a it's it's not really a climate. I've not worked in a climate yeah. where I've used it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To put it it's, short.
0: No, I um, think it's.
1: I, I can it, imagine it. It's a it's for practical use here.
0: Yeah, it's it's that um, Mexican grass, and also I mean, kiwa from memory. It came in; they they it came in; they shipped it in specifically. It's quite it's quite a bit different, but I, whenever I think about it, I think about a little bit like um, courses you might play in Queensland is in my brain the way that it sort of fits something that that's similar to that. Um, it's a wide course um, off the tee. Greens are massive. Uh, Tiger says it needs a bit of strategy. Everything I'm reading says it's take the driver up and just hit it as far as you can i, I believe there are like a couple of um, strategic pots and other bits and pieces so i've really first time they've been here so this week's going to be one where when you're picking a player and and when i put the email out there'll be a lot of warning says look this is a lottery nobody knows it's just a pure guessing no one knows how they're going to play here um we can have a look at form we can have a look at how maybe guys have played in mexico or, or on past palin before but that's about all you're really going to be able to look at Ah, uh, the odds are favorite is Ludwig Aberg at ten dollars, Cameron Young thirteen, Sahith Tagala, fifteen, Lucas Gavril twenty two, Bo Hosler twenty six, Emiliano Grillo twenty six, Steven Jaeger twenty six, Adam Svensson thirty one, Thomas Detrich thirty one, Akshay Bhatia, thirty four. So they are the favorites. i and you've done more homework than anyone's ever done this show because every time I do the show, I tell someone to just pick three people. You have already told me there's three people, so I'm going to pretend I don't know those ones yet, but I can give out the stats that I like because you can't now go and look up those stats because you've already picked your three players. Effectively, I just want someone that's got a bit of driving accuracy. Proximity to flags is going to be important because if they're massive greens, I want someone that hits it close. I want someone that can scramble because I've been, from a lot of reviews I've been reading, that's going to be important. And I want someone that can putt well, but I also want someone that has... I'm adding in ball striking this week purely because of Tiger Woods' course. There's no rhyme or reason behind it. I just think Tiger's one of the best ball strikers in the world, so I'm going to say that's going to be something we need to look at this week. So for Mike versus the mug, meaning that you, Nick, even though you know way more about golf than I am, you are the mug this week, you have to pick three players, and of those three, if any finish above me, I will donate $50 to charity. Do you have a charity that you would like me to donate to?
1: yes as the ah, mug good. this week it would be it would be great if i could get the win for landcare victoria
0: landcare victoria i will write that down now um last week mark stevens the teaching pro sandy took money out of my pocket and that went to um that went to lifeline um when i told him that i'd made the donation he laughed at me he didn't know that he'd won i don't think so that was really um a little bit disheartening but also um, it proves that it doesn't matter anyone's anyone's anyone can win on any given day. So for you, who is your, who are your players? Do you remember who they are?
1: Yes. I've, I've I've gone for three, three players for all sort of similar, but different reasons because they're three players in th- different stages of their career. Um, so the, the, prime, um, the prime player that I've picked is for Cameron Champ. Yep. Um, for reasons in my mind that you've outlined, um, my observations from a distance of the course, uh, I feel like you'd get more appreciation for the course by being on site. Um, I find it quite interesting in the description of the course um, that the design of Al Cardinal was inspired by classic golden age courses of the West coast that Tiger played growing up. Um, I wouldn't really pick Tiger to be quite the Renaissance man, but uh, I guess here we are. (laughs) Um, When I look at the aerials and the view and stuff, like I, yeah, I I just think players are just going to go out there and try and bomb and gouge. It's that time of the year where like guys are either in Mexico for a holiday. So I've like seen that Camilla is in the field and he's going to be too busy looking at the surf report and (laughs) not willing to, uh, to play any golf. So, um, he's definitely discounted, um, for for this week and there'll be a few other players that'll be preferred to be poolside sipping on a few uh post-season cocktails oh, 100%. so I, so karen champ is one guy who needs to kick start his career it's time to get going so i picked him as one of one pick um do you want to go back and forth or do you, want me to no, just you get you get all, you get all three more?
0: yeah
1: okay um so with my second pick, I'm going with a young guy that I think this could be one where he could play well in. Do I th- think he can win? No, because I think it's hard to win. <laughs> but yeah. I think he can come close. Um, yeah, Akshay Um Badia. Um yeah, young talent that has had a great high school career. Um yeah, I that that's an indicator that I really like someone who's like has dominated at some level um means that they know how to win um yeah and they know how to shoot uh, and particularly if if they're doing it in the US they know how to go low so what you also outlined before I think this is a guy that's could probably take a lot of confidence out of coming to a um uh, a place like here in Mexico I've been looking at his recent scores and there are flashes of some good stuff there, um, particularly with how he played at the Shriners and at the Sanderson Farms Championship in the lead-up. So there is some pretty decent form there and I'm a a form guy and um, we can discount his trip to Japan because that's probably quite a a cultural experience and quite a cultural difference for a young man. I'm so, so concerned.
0: You've done you've done, I think you've done more work on this than I have. So if you don't put money to land care this week, I'll be very disappointed. I'll
1: I'll I would match you on the Landcare <laughs> donation. Happy to match. Um yeah. And then my <laughs> third pick, I've I've gone for an old dog um close to my heart, uh, Nick Watney. Talk about a guy that's Watney. like probably needs to find a win out of somewhere just to spur that career. Um like give him just the last bit of life to his PGA Tour career. Um, yeah, I just think that there's something to this guy. And also, like, talk about a relationship with Tiger Woods. Like, when he was sneaky good and playing, like, there was some competitiveness with with Nick Watney back in the day. Like, just this little flash in the pan moment. Um, and again, like, if you want to go on, off of recent results, like, he's very hit and miss. But at least this year, like, he's shown – again, little flashes of okay results um, that I could just, you know, maybe you could, you can just surprise everyone. Um, yeah, I guess the best one was probably the Rocket Mortgage Classic for him this year. Um, but, yeah, he, he could just maybe pop up out of nowhere. And and his recent form's not great. Didn't do well at the Shriners, but, you know, there's there's moments for him. So, yeah. Um, these are all Talk the about it. Yeah, he, he's a guy that, like, he won't be the one that's, like, having to just sip cocktails at poolside. Like, that's no. not what he's coming to Mexico for. Like, this, this coming is a to grind. he needs to win. He needs to grind. And, like, maybe he could rediscover something. Um
0: well, I can tell you Nick it. Watney's odds. Nick Watney is the same odds as um, Michael Block, uh, Australia's favourite son, uh, Michael Block, who um, Golf Australia's paying to come and play the Australian Open. Yeah, um, he can get out of here. He's
1: yeah. he's he, that's a guy that I'm just laying for the rest of his career. Thank you. Uh, it's very uh, much.
0: It's frightening. It's frightening what we do. So Nick Watney's a thousand to one, which is absolutely worth a dollar. Um, Akshay Bhatia, 34 and Cameron Champ 41. My picks. I haven't got a thousand and one pop, but I got a hundred one pop. So I got Matt Kuchar. Matt Kuchar at forty one dollars. Absolutely, I don't think Matt hits it out of sight on a dark night. However, he finished seventh at the Fortinet. He hasn't played in the last three weeks or, you know, the last three tournaments uh, on the um, PGA Tour. Um, but he has had okay form in Mexico. Now, Mexico, this used to be the Cobra event. It was notoriously weak field, which this isn't much better. Um, but he has won. And he has a 14th, a 22nd, a 27th. So his last sort of five years, he's always finished top 20-something. So Matt Kuchar goes into my picks. He actually ranks fourth on my data. The next one, again, a little bit of a tournament form slash recent form, Troy Merritt, uh, Amish Amish Troy. Uh, seventh at the Fortinet, ninth at the Sanderson Farms. Didn't go too well at Shriners and then didn't play in Japan. Third in Mexico last year, 15th the year before. So a little bit of form coming in and a little bit of form in Mexico. Rates up about 18th on my list of 130. And the last one is a bit of a speculative speculation a little bit like Nick Watney uh, is Henrik Norlander so Henrik Norlander finished second at the Sanders and had a really really good week um, 35th at the Shriners didn't go to Japan but was 15th last year in Mexico didn't really do too much outside in Mexico but just rates okay Um, and again I'd much prefer to have a dollar on him at 101 than Aberg at you know $10 like I just think yeah AB is the best player in, in in this but there's no fun in in that for me Um, I'm not here to retire off this so it's all just a bit of fun and if you are having a bet please make sure you're gambling responsibly it's always the first and last thing i put on every email if you're not enjoying it or you think i'm going to send you an email that's going to get you to retire by gambling on golf um you've never gambled on golf because it's hands down the hardest thing in the world to do mate that is it thank you so much um i really do appreciate it because i know obviously outside of spending the time you've just come back from being away and you yeah you found the time so i really really greatly appreciate it so thank you
1: always have time for you mike and always have time just to have a yarn and talk some golf
0: thanks mate appreciate it and uh, yeah enjoy your trip
1: pleasure